Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Beautiful morning out there. We're live from Sunny Slope, and we're up ahead of the sun this morning. Yes, I knew it was going to happen, and it's all Shira's fault. Yes, she made us come in too early, and now there's, there's no sun. But I'm sure it'll come up in a little bit. Anyway, happy Sunday morning. Beautiful day out there. Couldn't ask for any nicer weather. That was talking about the Chamber of Commerce. I don't know who all those guys are, but, you know, it's awfully nice outside. And uh, what a forecast for this week for Thanksgiving, you know. Pretty close to in the 70s every day and, you know, 40s at night. Couldn't be any better. Great time to be out and uh, just enjoy the desert in the evenings and picnics in the afternoons and, Enjoy the fact that our two college football, two main college football teams here only have one game, got one game left, so one of them's going to have to win. And uh, that's, that's a good part. You know, there's always a good side. Anyway, this is a list of participation type program. We typically talk about plants, your favorites, your least favorites, how to grow them, where to grow them. If you're doing something different at home, if you have a different style, different way to do things, certainly give us a call. We're all here to learn. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. And you could be up after Bob on the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. Good morning, Bob and Tempe. Good morning. How are you today? Excellent, sir. Thank you for asking. Good. I'm glad to hear that. My question is regarding irrigation system. We are replacing our irrigation system. And the contractor uh, in our yard uh, among the plant material, we have uh, such things as Texas Mountain, or, excuse me, um, Texas Sage, some Outback Sunrise, Kitty Aurelia, et cetera. We also, I also have about 80 feet of bougainvillea along a wall. The contractor, the way I'm looking at this, is proposing one valve for all shrubs, they're there, and I think that includes bougainvillea. So my question is, shouldn't the bougainvillea receive less water than those other plants that I just talked about, and and maybe a different valve? Bob, how old is your landscaping? How long have they been installed? Oh, um, 33, 35 years. Okay, they're probably all... Now, not every, excuse me, not everything is that old. The bougainvillea are at least that old. The others mm-hmm. may be a little bit less. Okay, but they're all 10 years old or more. Oh, yes. Okay, so that you know that being said, you don't need to water very often, and uh, I, I think the contractor's idea of putting it all together with mature plants, as you're describing, would be fine. Yes, you know, it, realistically, they, those are some of the most hardy plant varieties. So, you know, when you have it set up, you want to have it set up. Yeah, you could even put two emitters on each plant because that way, over time, you're sure one doesn't get plugged. You know, and that that might not be a bad idea. But as far as having them on separate valves, I don't know that there's a reason to. I think they're going to be quite happy with, you know, similar amounts of water. And uh, the rail rail is all the way through. Okay. See, my thought was that the bougainvillea might only need to be watered every two or three weeks, whereas the other plants might need it, as I've been doing, every six or seven days. 
Well, Bob, the so uh, I'm the, the bougainvillea is probably really only needed six or eight times a year. Okay. Okay. And and that's but if, know, if it doesn't rain. And the other plants, yeah, that's uh, right. You know, and the other plants in the wintertime, um, you know, pretty much, you know, between the sages and you know the emu bushes and those kind of things, you know, if they're watered every two weeks, uh, it's plenty often, you know, in the spring and the fall, and uh, maybe once a week in the heat of the summer from you know the middle of June through August if we don't have a monsoon. But you know, you've got a pretty hardy plant group and you've got well established plants, so you know you could do it either way. If you want yeah. to put a separate valve in on the bug and V as you can, but they're certainly not going to be hurt by the, the frequency of watering that the others require, and it's not going to be very much water. Okay, well, I, I appreciate that. I guess I'm confused because I thought that we would need to, if the bougainvillea were watered every the same time as all the other plants, that would be too much water for them. And no, if all no, the bougainvilleas are grown. Down. You know, we grow some of the most beautiful bougainvilleas here in our desert of any place in the world because of our subtropical climate and the dry heat, you know, and not having right. the humidity. But they grow plenty of bougainvilleas in places where it rains 60 inches a year. You know, they grow, grow them all oh. over Florida. So you go to Miami, they grow everywhere. But they, so they don't really need that kind of water and they'll do better right. here with less water but the water that everything else is going to require you know probably weekly in the heat of the summer once every two weeks you know in the spring and fall and probably almost not at all in the winter time the bougainvilleas will thrive with that that's probably well, their best watering cycle if you want them to grow yeah, well, I I appreciate that. I guess I'm still confused with what you said, but but I won't take up any more well, of your time. That's okay, Bob. You're the first caller, so you get as much time as you like. So here, here's well, here's I think basically it, what I'm saying. Okay, let me give you an example. At our farm in Hyder, in the middle of the desert, where it rains about three or four inches a year. Okay, we have bougainvilleas there that are 30 years old, 40 years old, but we also have a pretty big metal roof. So when it does rain, you know they get a good irrigation because the water runs off the roof. But down in Hyder, I would say it probably have, you know, rainy days, maybe eight or ten days a year. And that's all they get. They don't get any other water. And they're fine and they're happy right. and they're healthy. Okay. Now, if I was growing bougainvilleas to sell you know, or growing bougainvilleas to make sure they're pretty all the time, <laughs> then I would probably be watering those same bougainvilleas at least once every two weeks in the heat of the summer because it's going to keep them happier and prettier. So for your for your irrigation question, basically, if you have bougainvilleas combined with sages, combined with like emu bushes and things, lantanas, whatever you have, I mean, their their water requirements are so similar. There's no reason to have them on separate valves. Oh, okay. I guess that's where I was confused because I thought the other items might take it once a week, whereas the bougainvillea once a month. Well, you can. I mean, you can you can separate your water out further and do that if you like, and that would be fine. I mean, there's no reason you can't, and that will save you on some water. So if you'd want to split the bougainvilleas off, you know, they're going to be by far the the most drought tolerant of all. And once a month, right. they'll they'll, be, they'll thrive. So you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. One more comment, if I might. Sure. Um, I heard several years ago you told you were recommending to people in maybe end of September, early October to cut their bougainvillea back some and then they'd have a lot of blossoms or bracts, I guess they're called, around Thanksgiving and such. Uh -huh. I've been doing that I've been doing that for several years and boy you are so right on with that because it's great to have all those 
Brax showing up now with all that color. Well, and it's so nice, you know, Bob, not to prune them this time of year. You know, well, sometimes we're going to have a freeze, but, you know, bougainvilleas are prettier here. And I have friends that come from nurseries all over the, you know, the country, some from all over the world. They're prettier here in our desert in Phoenix, you know, or Palm Springs or these dry desert locations anywhere on the planet. They absolutely thrive in this weather. And, boy, it's sure nice when we can just cut them back and let them go through that winter bloom cycle and enjoy them. Yeah, well, as I said, we cut it back in the end of September, early October, and we get the blooms now, and it's really nice. So thank you for that information. Bob, thanks for being our first caller. I hope you have a nice Thanksgiving. You as well, and to your family and friends. And, uh, you know, this is a beautiful place. You know what's really fun, Bob? It's fun that elections are over with, you know? We got rid of all the commercials and everything <laughs> else. And, and we can all just be one team again together, and everybody can come to Thanksgiving, and there's nothing to argue about. You know, it's it's over. Now, we all, we can always find something to argue about, but, but you know. Well, that's because, you, that's because you're a U of A fan, and I'm an ASU fan. Well, I'm only a U of A, I'm only a non-ASU fan, one game. Game a year, okay? Okay, okay. And I, I did go to ASU for a little while too. Hey, if, if, if you really I'm get the not, truth of it, I should be a PC bear because that's where I spent the most time. Well, I spent two years there myself. Back <laughs> when Sandy Hogan was there, so they were pretty good. Well, it was a, it was a great place to go to school. Bob, thanks for the call, yeah. and uh, thank you. Good good thank luck you. to your Sun Devils. I tell you, both of our teams didn't look too spry <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah, well, the good news is it's only a game. Well, and then the, and the great part is is that we should all just, just like uh, everything else on Thanksgiving go enjoy it, and you know we should celebrate the facts. We have different sport teams and different opinions, yeah. and that's that's what makes this country so special. And this is the country where, you know, by our Constitution, we're allowed to do it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank you again. And you have a good day. You too, Bob. Bye-bye. Well, we've got uh, wide open phones. We have Shira back here smiling on the phones and music. You can give her a call at 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. The sun's on the way up. It hasn't quite hit the top of the peak yet, but it's looking like it's going to be there soon. And we'll be right back live from Sunny Slope with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR. the 70s and 40s. Uh, we've got Jeff and Chandler up next, but after Jeff, we've got wide open phones. Perfect time to call. Don't be shy. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. We could talk about what to grow, how to grow it, if it's dying, how to save it, or if it's uh, taken over, maybe how to get rid of it. But if you're doing something different at home, if you have some kind of fun plant that's more unusual or technique on growing things, we're all here to learn. Give us a call, 602-277-5827. Jeff and Chandler. Good morning, Jeff. Hi. How you doing today? Excellent, sir. Hey, a 
question. I've got a couple uh, shamal ash trees that I bought from you about 30 years ago, and uh, and they're glorious. They look great. Uh, just a question. Somebody was telling me that they're probably end of life and they're not going to last much longer. I was wondering if that's true or not. You know, it depends totally on their environment, Jeff. You know, if they're in a lawn, you know, especially a flood irrigated lawn, you know, they could easily last another 20 or 30 years. Okay, um, they're in a lawn, but it's but it is watered uh, uh, with sprinklers. Mm-hmm. But uh, okay, great. And then as far as as far as feeding them, is there a particular time of year that it's best to feed them? And like a couple of years ago, I had them. Uh, I had them. Uh, you know, uh, service came over and injected the injected the fertilizer into the soil. Is that better, or is uh, you know, is there a best way to feed them? Well, that that can work pretty well. You know, probably the the hard healthiest way to feed those ash trees in a lawn would be feed your lawn with melargonite. And uh, the melargonite fertilizer go down through the grass, right down into the you know the trees, and they'll be fine. Do you water them in addition to the lawn sprinklers, or just with the lawn sprinklers? I do water them in addition to the lawn sprinklers in the summer. I go ahead and try and deep water them, you know, at least every probably you know every three weeks or so. Yeah, and that's a huge plus. But uh, from that standpoint, though, I mean, the best time to fertilize them, they're kind of tricky with shambles. Do yours drop their leaves in December and leaf back out like early January? Yeah, more late late December, early January okay. is when they drop. All right, so they're regular shambles, not like a – there's a lot of different cultivars in the shambles. But, you know, that variety, what you'd probably want to do is, you know, fertilize it there when it's dormant. So right there the first week or two of January, go ahead and put some fertilizer down. But, you know, for long-term health, what I would really recommend for those and growing in a lawn like yours are is fertilize the lawn with melargonite. And it's a slower-release natural fertilizer that breaks down. is going to really build the soil. And you won't need to give the trees any separate fertilizer, and you have a very healthy lawn. Awesome. No, that sounds great. Do you, do you have the melargonate at your, uh, at your location? Well, we should. <laughs> yeah, no, no promises. I'm not there yet this morning, but yeah, we should have it in stock. And if not, we'll, uh, we'll make sure that we keep it because it's an excellent fertilizer. You know, it's basically recycled human waste from uh, Minnesota. But it, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, it's composted and it works really well. And it's got all the miners and every, you know, it's got a lot of iron. It's got all the things we eat in it, you know. So it's really excellent fertilizer and it's a great way to use it. And it's all composted and it's been done out of Minnesota for a long time. So it's completely biologically safe. But it, uh, you know, for that type of a use, I would say it would be my favorite choice for fertilizer. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I like to you. Uh, we bought them. Actually, you helped me pick them out. So you, you must have done a good job because they're still around. So well, thank you so much. I think I think it's more the care they've received since it's, it's kept them alive for thirty years, Jeff. Hey, have a nice weekend. Thanks for being part of our program and a, and a nice Thanksgiving as well. You too. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Ray out in Queen Creek. But after Ray, we've got some open lines. A number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Ray. Hi. Hello, sir. Um, yeah, I've, got, I've got a question on watermelons. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some, uh, I still have a couple of watermelons on my mind, and I wonder, um, um, when do you know if they're still ripe or how can they stay on the vine in this cold weather? Well, here, here's the problem with watermelons is they need heat to build sugar. Okay. And so the heat, the heat days are gone. Um, 
I'm not sure if yours would be ripe or not. You can tell by taking a look at the leaf when they're coming into the stem, you know, right there where they're attached to the, the vine. And if those little leaves are starting to turn brown right up against the stem, uh, that's a good sign that they're probably starting to ripen. You could also, depending on the variety, look and see if you can see some little sugar lines, you know, inside the outside part of the fruit. And you could thump them to hear their temperature, you know, see if they're a deeper thud or a higher pitch telling how ripe they are from those kind of things. Uh, the best way is to have a coyote walk through, and if it's good, he'll eat it. And then you won't have to worry. He'll, you'll know that he enjoyed it. It was a good watermelon. But uh, aside from that, it's, yeah. it's really too late, Ray, for them to build any more sugar. So, you know, if you harvest them now, they're going to be as good as they're going to be. Yeah. I, well, I peeled them a couple weeks ago, and they were pretty um, green inside or pink, you know. And so I just wondered if they're going to get any riper. Yeah, with the cool weather, not much. I mean, it really takes heat to wipe ripen watermelons. And, you know, we're back to, you know, last year they'd be ripening still. But this year with this cooler weather, you know, I don't think they're going to change much. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, we've got Stephen in Scottsdale. Morning, Stephen. Yes, good morning. How are you? Excellent, sir. I wanted to ask you about pruning. I've got a couple of different fruit trees, and I I don't know if they're different times of the year that you prune or, or if they can be all done at the same time, but I've got a tangelo, an orange, an apple, and a lemon. So, Stephen, you could do a little bit of pruning on all those anytime. If you got something that's annoying or bothering you, if you got a branch that's slapping you in the face, cut it off. You know, it's not going to hurt. However, if you want to do major pruning on them, uh, we really recommend on the uh, apple tree to do it while it's dormant in the wintertime. So apples here will oftentimes stay evergreen, but the best time to prune them would be in January. And you can thin January. them out and okay. shape them to get different sizes. And uh, commercially, we prune our, our citrus trees as soon as we can after the frost and we have the fruit off them. So ideally, if we think it's not going to freeze, we're going to be pruning our citrus, you know, somewhere around the middle of February before they bloom again. So that's the time we really get after the citrus pruning. But that being said, yeah, that being said, you know, one part of that's because we want to get the crop off first. And, you know, for something like tangelos, if we're still picking tangelos, you know, in, in the first of March, we're not going to trim the trees back until we get all the fruit harvested. Ah, okay. Okay. But you can Great prune insight. citrus back, you know, kind of anytime you want. What you don't want to do when you're pruning citrus, you don't want to lift them up and raise them so high that the sun comes through and hits the trunk because that'll cook the wood. And if you need to reduce the size dramatically, if the trees are far larger than you want them to be, you can reduce them by 50%. And the time to absolutely do that, though, is going to be the middle of uh, February, 1st of March, while they have a chance, the days are shorter and they'll have a chance to put out buds and protect themselves before it gets too hot. Okay, really good. Now, what about fertilization? How, how, often, how often do they need to be fertilized, especially now? Well, the traditional story, you know, Stephen, for healthy citrus here is to feed them on the three holidays, Valentine's Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day. And that's a pretty good tradition. And that works pretty well. I mean, typically by Valentine's Day time, we put our fertilizer in, we're past the frost. Then we're going to hit it before the temperatures get real hot. And then we're going to give them fertilizer, you know, in the fall so they have another six weeks to grow. And so that's a good process. For young trees, you know, I would fertilize them monthly in the growing season. And that's from February through October. For older trees that are real happy and healthy, you might not need to feed them at all. Oh, wow. Okay. 
Okay, so yeah, you don't you don't have to feed the citrus, and they'll, you know, and if the tree's healthy and it's you know in a pretty good environment, it won't need a lot of fertilizer. Okay, great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it so much, Brian. Well, have a have a nice weekend and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. You do the same. Bye bye. You know, it's uh, it's that time of year, Thanksgiving. Oh, look at that. The sun came over the mountaintop. We all, we all, I always love it when we're here in the studio. And you know what's so fun about our studios here at KTR is they look out over the mountains, the sunny slope, and uh, the very hills where I grew up in. And there was, uh, we, we usually didn't make it out before the sun came up, but we were up on those hills and saw a sunset every once in a while, and that was a lot of fun. But uh, if you've never hiked the mountains here in North Phoenix and sunny slope, it's really beautiful. And, you know, Scott, Scott Peak gets an awful lot of traffic. And so does uh, Camelback. But, you know, another thing that is really a great place to hike this time of year, perfect weather, is South Mountain. South Mountain's beautiful, has miles and miles of trails. In fact, it's the world's largest city park. And, uh, you know, there are so many fun things to see. And, you know, what's kind of unique here in the desert in the valley is that when you hike in the mountains over here like North Mountain, and you'll see chuckawellas, which are a big native lizard. They're, don't worry, they don't bite. and they're, they're not poisonous like Gila monsters, but they can be over a foot long. And uh, the males here in Sunny Slope have a white tail and a red body with black legs. And when you get to Squaw Peak, you'll see ones with green bodies. And in South Mountain, you'll find some with red tails. So Darwin didn't have to go all, all the way to the middle of the Pacific and find islands. He could have just came here to Phoenix and hiked around the mountains around town and saw the difference that, you know, the Chuckawallas really pretty much live in the hills. They don't live much in the flat ground. So I guess the coyotes get them if they're down in the flat ground. But there's no rocks for them to puff in. And you know, that's, that's where they really live is and the rocks around the mountains. So, you know, if Darwin would have just come to Phoenix first, the theory of evolution would have happened, just would have been, you know, a little different. Anyway, uh, we're going to take a short break here in a moment. Uh, the number to call is 602-277-5827. We're here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTR. We have the lovely Shira here on phones and music, and we'll have some news. We'll be finding out what's happening here momentarily from Troy Barrett here with the news. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. And in the meantime, like I say, we have lines open. You can talk about anything you want to grow, water, plant, fertilizer, kill, or if you just have a great Thanksgiving story, give us a call, 602-277-5827. Baby, do it, really, really. 
beautiful morning out there. We do have a couple lines available. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Devin Scottsdale, good morning, and welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. Great. Uh, this summer, and maybe even last summer, I had some Palo Verde trees sprout up naturally after the monsoon season. And I'm wondering if we can transplant those to locations of our choice. Right now, they came up in our decomposed granite. Um, can I either transplant Honestly, them somewhere Deb, else. It would probably be easier to harvest a seed and plant your own from a new seed, you know, this year. Um, however, if you do want to transplant those, now wouldn't be a very good time. You would want to probably okay. dig those up and transplant those along in about April when they're just getting ready to grow. And you'll want to mm-hmm. dig a fairly deep root ball, depending on the variety they are. But you probably want to get something at least five or six inches in diameter and down probably 12 to 18 inches deep. And if you had like okay. a long shovel like that shape and you could do that, they'll probably move okay. Okay. And should I do them on the granite or can I put them out in a natural area? Well, wherever you plant, transplant them to, you're going to have to water them and put irrigation to them. Uh, because they're, okay. not, they're not going to live on rainfall, um, you know, being transplanted. Now, not that they won't maybe adapt to that after some time, maybe after the first summer even, but you're going to have to water them for the first summer for sure. Um, so, you know, you kind of plant them wherever you like, wherever they have room. But they'll need to be water and irrigated. They'll need to be watered at least for the first summer. Okay, got it. All right. Thank you. Well, have fun. Yep, happy Thanksgiving. You too, Deb. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Pete in Phoenix. Good morning, Pete. Well, good morning, Brian. Yes. I haven't uh, talked with you in a while, but um, I have a question about growing garlic. Mm-hmm. Um, can you grow it just from the cloves in, you know, when you buy the garlic or get garlic that was grown naturally? Yeah, I think you can take fresh cloves and break them up and plant them this time of year. I really haven't grown as much garlic myself, Pete. And uh, there might be some points you could catch from the, uh, you know, the, the uh, gardeners group over there at the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension Service, and I'm sure they have a, a, a you know little pamphlet on it. But garlic grows very, very well here. I just, uh, you know, I'm not going to be the expert because I don't have the experience. I think the the expert should always be the guy who's done it more than me. <laughs> Well, I'm just going to try it, you know. I don't think you'll have any problem trying it. My common sense gardening practice tells me it should work well. But like I say, it might be just, you know, looking up the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension Service. I'm sure they have a pamphlet on growing garlic here. And if you'd like to call, they have a lot of master gardeners that have a lot of experience. Okay, great, great. Well, um, do you have any suggestions for... um catching a squirrel he's eating my garden yeah i mean you're pretty much you can catch him in the live traps or you know lead poisoning works as well but uh yeah depending on where your garden's at that might not be practical but you know you could trap them pretty easy and, and you know it's like trapping rats kind of the key is to feed them first but if you want to catch you know go out and get one of the live traps um you know they they kind of not as many you probably even have to find one on the internet just about now 
But um, Harbor Freight used to carry them. But they're, yeah. or they probably tractor supplies probably got them. But they're just a little live trap. But the real key is tape the trap open and feed him some, you know, some of his favorite stuff, like give him some pecans or walnuts in there for a week or two. And, uh, you know, with, with squirrels, you want to break them up so they're actually coming to eat them, just not running them all out. But if you'll feed them, get them used to coming in there, you'll catch them. Yeah. Well, he's got a perfect home. He's got a hole underneath a slab. I put a hose down there. The hose went down five feet. I turned the water on and ran it for quite a while. But he just comes out, munches on the garden, goes back into his hole. Well, he's, he's living large. Well, they do, you know, and uh, we didn't see it, you know, whenever I grew up here in the valley, we didn't see hard. We never saw javelina around town. And uh, there were very few squirrels and less bunnies. And uh, the foxes were, were pretty hidden and only in special places. But, um, you know, since we've become more urbanized, we seem to have a lot more animals life, you know, here in the valley, especially with the javelinas. But um, and I'm not going to, you know, really give my thoughts on why the javelinas are here now. But I, I think they succumb to different stresses with uh, with the younger wildlife of the human nature, you know, in years past. But at any rate, um, now the squirrels are fairly easy to trap. Okay, well, I'm going to do that. I just have a, a short Havelina story. A friend of mine was driving down from Cave Creek on Cave Creek Road, and she thought she hit a Havelina, so she stopped, and the Havelina limped off into the desert. And it was at night, and she's like, well, I'm not going to mess with that. So um, the next morning, um, the sheriff knocked at her door and uh, said, um, we believe you hit a Havelina and you left it out there. And uh, that's against the law or something. I don't know what it was. So she was just stunned. Like, the sheriff found out that quick. Yeah, that's a little odd. And it's, it's, it's even stranger that they would care so much, you know. I mean, not that, you know, we we, we like all the creatures and stuff. But, you know, I, I'll tell you a quick Havelina story. So our little boy, well, uh, boy next I'm door. I'm just going to tell you, yeah. I guess the pig squealed. <laughs> Bye, Pete. <laughs> okay, bye, Brian. Oh, got us on that one. Uh, let's see. Next up, we got Catherine and Chandler. After Catherine, we've got wide open phones. Number to call 602-277-5827. You got to watch out for those squealers. Hi, Catherine. Hi, good morning. Good Thanks morning. Me on the show. <laughs> so I'm calling about pomegranate tree. I, I planted one last year. Um just before the heat of summer, well, actually this year, before the heat of summer, and it's starting to grow, but um, I, I've gotten a couple of uh, uh, fruit on it, but the um, the birds kept picking them off, so I finally got some mesh uh, bags to put around each one, and so I saved two of them so far, but No, it's a little early right now, Catherine. They really get best uh, probably in about a month. Okay, so about okay. So they do go dormant. Well, the plants, yeah, absolutely, but the fruit uh, will be riper. It's not quite ripe yet on most pomegranates. Uh So pomegranates are going to ripen towards the middle or end of December. Okay. So they're going to get better. And you've done exactly the purpose, you know, perfect thing. You have to protect them. And then what you want to do with it this winter, Catherine, is you want to, you know, thin it out a little bit from the bottom and train it up so it grows more, you know, height to it. But on the bottom, okay. leave like three to five canes, something like that, and thin the rest out and take those off. And you'll want to take those off in January when it's dormant. How, how far is 
far down um, do I need to uh, trim that? Well, what you would do is, okay, well, yeah, you look at the base, and typically coming out of the ground, they'll have anywhere from one to five stems coming out of the ground. Okay, and then as they come up, you'll want to take off the smaller shoots or the smaller suckers off them, just so that we maintain that core group growing up. And you could leave one to five anywhere in there, but kind of just leave the core group growing up and take off all the little shoots and everything that come out in the bottom two or three feet below that. Okay, on a new pomegranate. Okay, all right. So, so you just so right have the now main. I have... Yeah. So right now I have the the root stock or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, the trunk. Yeah, we'll the... call it. That's about six inches, mm-hmm. and then right now there's the main one that was coming up, and then two more started growing. So I, t- I have a total of three canes. Okay. And that, the, that should the, be a very good form. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And so okay. then let those three, you know, prune those off, leave those three up to mm-hmm. about a height of about four or five feet, okay? And then you can let it flush out from there higher. Okay. Okay. But just do I keep, need to protect the trunk like I do my my lime and my? Not it's it's a much hardier trunk, but it will keep it from suckering if you did. So if you wanted to use a wrap the same way with cardboard like you would on a citrus tree, it'd be great. Oh, okay. And then do I fertilize it the same as I do my citrus Valentine's Memorial Day? It'll work well. You know, we just want to make sure that first time you feed it before it leaves out. And typically, if you're feeding it at Valentine's Day, that'll be about a month ahead. So that would be ideal. And the okay. same fertilizer for the citrus would be would be fine. Oh, and I have a hint for your your last caller about mm-hmm. the garlic. Mm-hmm. Um, in Arizona, we don't get enough freeze time for garlic, so the bulbs don't get really big. And I've been growing garlic for a couple of years. Uh-huh. What he needs to do is put the garlic in the refrigerator for two months, and then plant them in December. So you start putting the garlic in the fridge around uh, October. Okay, and then in December you plant them, and then when they are uh, ready to harvest next October, they they get really nice and plump. Well, fantastic! See, I knew someone could call and help us. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a well, lot of you. lot of gardening knowledge that uh, on this program, and you know, it's really nice of you, Catherine, to help out, and and we're glad that you're not just keeping it as a secret tip. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, thank you. Have a happy Thanksgiving, sir. You too. Thanks, Catherine. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have a line or two available. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. It's Brian and Shira every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM, KTAR. Or you can reach us online anywhere in the planet, KTR.com. Tonight your mind completely You give your love so sweetly Tonight the light of love is in your eyes But will you
for the middle of the song, but, you know, there is a time limit here. Uh, welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfield's. You know, Whitfield's, we grow trees, and we're awfully busy this time of year. You know, we're starting our, our lemon harvest right now, and the Christmas trees are coming this week, and we have beautiful flowers for Thanksgiving. So if you haven't decorated yet for your Thanksgiving fe- fe- feast, come out and see us. We have beautiful flowers, great rose bushes, and if you want to give somebody an early Christmas present, we've got, you know, great citrus you can give. We deliver and plant and guarantee. Whatever your dreams are for that perfect garden, we grow it right here in Arizona. And we were a little worried earlier on that we weren't going to be able to get the big, tall Christmas trees out of the mountains and Sierras in Northern California because of the snow. But we've had a break in the weather, folks, and we do have some really large trees coming in. So for those of you looking for the tall, natural trees in that 15 to 20 foot range, Yes, we're going to have them, and uh, we're going to have some big nobles and some silver tips, and uh, we'll have them for sale, and the lots will all be open on Friday after Thanksgiving. So enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday. Come and see us if you little want some color for the party, and if you need a tree, we'll deliver and plant. No job's too big, none's too small. If you want one tree, it's great. If you want 100 trees, you know, we're good at those, too. For your commercial job or your backyard, come out and see us at Woodfield Nursery, our original store at 24 East Glendale Avenue in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley in Guadalupe, or 26470 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. Uh, back to the phones, Anna and Sun Lakes. Good morning. Good morning, Brian. I hope you have a blessed uh, Sunday. I have a problem with birds in my two orange trees. I have a Tangelo and a Valencia. I just moved here a year ago, and they're drilling holes and sucking out the juice, and then it falls on the ground, of course, and gets rotten, and and something else eats it. And I don't know if it's roof rats or what, but anyway... (laughs) I love Arizona, moved here from Colorado, but I'm uh, having a problem getting used to gardening here, and what can I do with to keep the birds from ruining uh, my tangelos and my other oranges? And the trees are way too big to put nets over. Well, you, you know, the thing is with our, our citrus here, Anna, as they get older, as many of the trees in Sun Lakes have been there over 30 years now. Um, yes. It's kind of practical sometimes to prune them back. You know, we grow a lot of citrus here commercially, and we you know are reducing some portion of our tree every year, whether we're taking the top down three or four feet or taking the sides back in. And if we didn't, we couldn't harvest all of our fruit. But uh, I'm afraid there's not a lot of other great solutions. Now, there's things that could be mobile if you'll get like a a little falcon or owl and put them inside the tree, something that will move. Um, that can be, you know, fairly you know, effective. If they're just rigid, if you just have a plastic owl sitting there, that lasts about one day and then it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> but, you know, they do make ones that you can order them for sure online that have heads that rotate and things like that. And uh, and they can be pretty intimidating to those little birds that come through there. But, uh you know, the, there's just a lot of things that enjoy citrus. We're not the only ones. And, <laughs> you know, so it does make it a little tough, Anna. Okay. One one more question. I have a, what do they call it, fire stick bush. Uh-huh. And I'm, <laughs> I heard you several months ago say that you almost need a hazmat suit on, goggles and gloves and everything. And I've been careful when I, I, I want to take the whole thing out. Okay. It, it's just 
It's obnoxious. I, I think it's beautiful, but I want a garden in that bed. In so, should I hire somebody to take yeah, it out? That's, or? that's by far the safest. If you see somebody, you know, working in, I'm sure there's lots of crews working around Sun Lakes, and you could find somebody who's knowledgeable and ask them to remove it. I'm sure you can get it removed. But um, oh, okay, they're not difficult then, to remove. But you know, as far as being very toxic, they're one of the most toxic plants, and you do have to be careful. So. You know, if you're leery of it, uh, have some professional come remove it for you. Okay, and then for pruning uh, the two orange trees, uh, I'm, I'm sure you probably can't recommend anybody on air, but uh, is there's there, there's, there there, there's a lot, in lot of you know, a lot of I'm sure there are a lot of people there, and I, I would talk to neighbors, look for ones that are pruned down and more maintained, and uh, okay. you know, get a recommendation from a neighbor would be the best thing to do. But the real time to prune, Great. if you're going to do major pruning like that, is going to be the first of March. First of March. Okay. Thank you so much. You have a happy Thanksgiving. You as well. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, it looks like we have Andy and Mesa. Good morning, Andy. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. I'm very much an amateur with lawns and planting trees and stuff. I think amateur would be a generous way of calling myself. Um, I have a crepe myrtle, and I don't know if it's just a bad tree to have for Arizona. I've had it for about five years. I bought it as pretty much a twig, maybe two feet tall. It doesn't seem to be growing well for me. I don't know how much it should be growing. It's about five feet tall now. Um, Very few blossoms each year. If you have any advice on if I should just review, remove it and try a different tree Andy, or what, what a good way to take care of it. What exposure do you have at Planet? What side of the house is it on, Andy? It's on uh, east side of the house. Okay. So if you want to bloom more, a couple things. Number one is this would be a good time to prune it sometime here in the winter before it leaves out and starts growing in the spring. And if you'll cut okay. it back by about a third, okay, and if you'll fertilize it with some higher phosphorus fertilizer, you could even use like miracle Grow or super treble phosphate or bone meal, but anything where that second number is a little higher, you're going to get more bloom. But they bloom on the new wood, so you need to prune it back, okay, for it to bloom on the new wood. It'll come back and bloom. They're not as popular here as as other plants for for two reasons, mainly because they're dormant in the wintertime, and they're not as pretty and and vibrant a color for as much of the summer as others can be. So, you know, while they do very well here in some gardens, and there's some pretty ones around town, um, you know, they're a lot more popular if you were in Houston, Texas, because they really do thrive and grow better with more humidity. Not that it can't be a useful plant. So if you enjoy it, if it has meaning to you, prune it back this winter, fertilize it with higher phosphorus fertilizer, and that will come out and be the best it can be in the spring. All righty. So how much should I be watering it then? Uh, you know, typically this time of year, very little because it's not using much water. The days are shorter. So now weekly, okay? And if you had okay. it on a weekly cycle, you can cut it back to every two weeks here in December, which is almost there, and leave it almost water-free when it's dormant in the wintertime. And then when it comes out in the spring, you want to get it back to about a weekly watering cycle for next summer. All right. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a nice weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. Right, bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Marvin in Sun Lakes. Good morning, Marvin. 
morning. I'm fortunate enough I don't have a plant question, but I'd like to test your memory if I can. Oh, that's it's getting easier and easier for my memory to be tested. I used to have a lot in uh, <laughs> about nineteen about nineteen ninety six ninety seven. We lived in Ajo, and we purchased some trees in Glendale, and I think you were the salesman, and uh, you agreed to come down and plant the trees in Ajo if you could park your trailer there for the weekend and continue on to Rocky Point. Does that ring a bell? Well, you probably had one of my cousins or somebody that left the trailer there, but uh, not right offhand, Marvin. But uh, oh, okay. Well, not that it could I'm happen. Not... Where it would be less likely is the fact I I typically don't have a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> but not that I don't have plenty well, of cousins. In fact, now I've got cousins that run uh, Lucky's Cantina in, in Rocky Point, and uh-huh. so you know, Ajo's yeah. definitely right on the way. Well, it was a long time ago. Well, maybe it's Marvin, my memory. Well, Marvin, was this a commercial project or re- residential? Uh, uh, residential. Okay. Because we did do a few I think it was projects three right trees. Yeah, I think it was three trees. And oddly enough, we were, because of medical issues, that's why we ended up in some ways. But we sold the house and went back a couple of years later. And the new owners had cut the water off, and all the trees were dead. Mm. And it really disappointed us. Yeah, it's hard here in the desert. You know, if they don't have water, they just don't get it. Yeah. All right. Thank you for your time. Have a nice day, and thank you for the good thoughts. And, you know, it very well could have been one of my cousins or brother. You know, we do have a lot of family. We Whitfields have been around for a while. Uh, Well, we were very... Very thankful. It was, it was easier for him than us. <laughs> well, you know, and it's uh, Ajo is such a beautiful place, you know, for people to go see this time of year. And what a wonderful place to hike, you know, all down there in yeah. Cactus. And, you know, it's, it's just a pretty place. We uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Until I had to take a two-hour ambulance ride to a hospital in Phoenix, and uh, that's when we realized we were too far away from civilization. Yeah, it's it, it is out in the middle of uh, of, of very little, <laughs> except for some beautiful <laughs> cactus and occasional coyote. You know, <laughs> oh, it's just amazing uh, landscapes out there. Have you ever seen the little desert pronghorn antelope that live there? I don't recall. No, I don't believe so. There, there's very few, but they were the game and fish works with some of them there. But they're a special oh, little yeah. antelope that's uh, Ajo's the edge of their range there, and uh, yeah. really a wonderful little antelope. Just a little smaller than the other ones. Quite, quite a beautiful yeah. animal. Thanks for thanks for calling, Marvin. Thanks for the thoughts, and you have a nice Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too, sir. Appreciate your time. Bye bye. Well, it's time for us to say goodbye for a moment, and we're going to find out what's happening in the news. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, we have a couple lines available. You can give Shira a call. Number to call 602-277-5827-277-KTAR for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.